Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. from a particular version, it may differ just a word or two, phrase or two, from what's on the screen, so you just work with me here. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. The scripture says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. Would everyone say Zechariah? He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. Verse 7, they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. She was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. Would everyone say the name John? You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said... You will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Two more verses. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Just for a moment or two tonight, I want to talk to you about backstage. Turn to someone and say, backstage. Backstage. Let's pray together. Lord, we're just praying tonight together again. We thank you for the privilege of coming together. Thank you for this night that you have created long before any of us arrived. God, we want to look properly at the scriptures tonight. We want to rightly divide your word. Would you help every part of that equation, the receiving of the word, the presentation of the word, 
and all that goes with that, Lord, that ultimately every heart here, without exception, every heart would ultimately be pointed toward Jesus Christ. That's our prayer, Lord. Would you help that to happen? We humbly ask that, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. 30 years ago or so, 30 or 31 years ago, I was an eighth grader in middle school. Do they call it middle school here, or is it junior high? Both, I guess. I was in middle school 30, 31 years ago. And as a part of my eighth grade year, I decided that I was going to try out for the middle school musical. I enjoyed music, always have, and I enjoyed drama. I decided I was going to uh, try to be a part of the musical that year. And so on a specific day, I walked down the long main corridor of the middle school and I found the bulletin board that had the sign-up sheet and I got a pen and I wrote my name on the, on the bulletin board and I saw when the tryout date was and I made a mental note and went home and that day came and I went back to that same classroom by the bulletin board there and I walked into the classroom and there were several teachers there, kind of the people um, administering the tryout and they handed me a copy of a part of a script and they said, okay Todd, just read us a little bit of this, this script. So I, I did the very best I could and I dramatically tried to portray what was being said in the script and then they had me sing a portion of a song and I won't do it tonight because I don't want to quench the spirit, but I, I, I sang a portion of a song and I, I got done singing and then I, I handed back the script and they said, thanks very much. And I walked out of the classroom and I waited for the results to come in. And about a week later, the word began to filter through the cafeteria that that afternoon they were putting up the results of, of the musical tryouts. And so later that afternoon, me and a buddy, we walked down that long main hallway again back to that same bulletin board And we looked up there and I glanced up at the sheet straining to see if maybe somehow I got a part in the middle school musical. And and lo and behold, I did. I got a part and I was so excited and I saw my name there and then I scanned over to the right and I saw the part. And as fate would have it, Pastor Josh, I got the lead role in the middle school musical that year. And so I, I probably haven't mentioned yet The middle school musical that year was Peter Pan. I'm just going to pause for a moment longer while you process that. (laughs) I think I still have green eyeliner on my eyes. So... Time came and rehearsals came and we got together and we learned songs and we found out our blocking on the stage where you had to move so you didn't bother someone behind you and block them and we got the cues and the lighting and all of that stuff and weeks went by and I learned my part and the other cast members learned their part and before too long it was opening night. And it was exciting because I got to the school early and I got there early because we had to go through a lot of things. I had to get my, my, my costume on. I wore a green felt, bad-to-the-bone outfit. I wore a green felt hat with a green feather. The makeup artist took her circular pad thing and... I wore... Green tights. Yeah, Robin Hood. That's right, Pastor Jay. And I got all done up 
for opening night. And I walked after having gotten all fitted and makeuped up and all that. I walked back behind the curtain that was, of course, down. And I found a place in the back corner of the set. And there's props for the first scene. And there's, 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 there's the, the, the house where I would one day, in a moment, fly in. And all the stuff that goes with Peter Pan. The lights were dim, obviously, back there. And I found a place in the back corner, and I sat down. I remember it like it was yesterday. Sat down in the back corner, and I thought, this is it. (laughs) This is it. There's just a few more moments, and that that curtain's going to go up. But right then, you couldn't see real clearly because it was still, still a little bit hazy, still a little bit dark. But I knew momentarily change was going to happen happen and the curtain was going to go up and the orchestra was going to begin and I was going to start to say my lines and I was going to start to sing my songs but at that point that moment I was still backstage I I kind of think while maybe none of us or few of us have ever been in Peter Pan like me maybe you've never even done anything dramatically or in a musical I I, I kind of think probably not a few, a few of us tonight can relate to the idea of being in a part of life when everything isn't quite clear yet. And we, we, we can kind of see what's going to happen. We're, we're anticipating what's going to happen. We even believe that one moment it's going to change, but as of yet, it's still kind of dark. And as of yet, the clarity's not there. The, the curtain's down. It hasn't gone up yet. We know that something's going to happen. We believe change is on the way, but as of right this moment, we're still backstage. Now, I find great comfort in knowing that the Bible is full of people just like you and me. The Gospel of Luke tells us in the first chapter of someone who can relate to that kind of scenario. Now, Luke chapter 1, if you look in your Bible, is one of those chapters that's so easy to zip by. You know why? Because we want to get to Luke 2, because Luke 2 talks about the Messiah being born. What better message is there than Jesus Christ is born and the world is going to be saved? And so we kind of skip beyond almost quickly Luke chapter 1. But before we do, it's good to notice there's a few folks in there that probably have some application to where we're at tonight. The scripture tells us that we're introduced to a man named Zechariah. The Bible simply says he was a, he was a good man. He was a, a righteous man. He was of the priestly order. So was his wife, Elizabeth. And the scripture tells us that Zechariah was going through the routine of being a priest. And I think Luke chapter 1 tells us three things specifically about uh, Zechariah's life that would be sure good for us to grasp tonight. And I think the first one is real obvious, but I'll, I'll mention it quickly. And it's this, that God offers often speaks during common moments. He really does. The Bible tells us Zechariah, his lot was chosen to go in and do the duty in the temple. They cast lots, it's the way they determine decision making at that point, at least for this scenario. And Zechariah and his group of people went into the temple to do what they were supposed to do. It's what priests did. It wasn't outlandish, it wasn't even unique, it was what priests did. And the scripture tells us that while he was going about the common things of his life, that God showed up. God oftentimes, I believe, delights in speaking to us during common moments, ordinary days. Anybody have an ordinary day lately? 
Not fantastic. Not the worst. Ordinary. Wednesdays are kind of like that, aren't they? The scripture tells us that sometimes Zechariah was doing the normal thing, but God showed up. This is what I have in my notes. God speaks extraordinary things in extraordinary ways in ordinary circumstances. I believe that. Sometimes, in fact, and maybe this will maybe hit close to where you're at, it sure does me. Sometimes our requests for God to answer big really reveal control issues we need to deal with. Because if I want God to answer on my terms, I don't know if I'm treating him like he should be. If I say, I used to do this as a kid, God, I want a girlfriend, and I want her to be five foot nine, blonde hair. I'm trying to remember all of Brenda's characteristics here. Beautiful. Brenda, you're listening on the podcast, I hope. Uh, gorgeous. Mu- I-, I set it all out for God, and sometimes I think God has a, 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 a unique ability to kind of laugh at some of our requests. Because we approach God with this idea that we're going to set the terms, that we're going to dictate the terms, and we want God to answer, but the way we want Him to answer. But sometimes I am convinced God enjoys surprising us with the way He answers. And so in the middle of our humdrum, normal Wednesday routine, God delights in walking into that common situation, showing up and revealing answers to where we're at. I believe that with all my heart. The Bible's full. The New Testament specifically is full. Peter and Andrew, of these occasions, Peter and Andrew were interrupted. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. It's what they did. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And verse 20 says, they left their nets and they followed him. I don't think there was an email in their inbox saying this is the lifetime opportunity for you. I believe Jesus said, follow me. And in the midst of their ordinary circumstances, they said, all right, that sounds good to me. I think I'll follow you. Could Peter have ever imagined that he would be the one to stand up at the book of Acts and preach the birthday of the church? I don't think so. But when he signed up at the moment of a common day, God had more in store for him. God speaks to us in common moments. It was the uh, Apostle Paul. The scripture at this time refers to him as Saul. He was, on a, he was on a business trip. Acts 9, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. That's what he did. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them in, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. It's what Saul did. As he was approaching Damascus, On this mission, a light shone from heaven down around him. Jesus interrupted in a common moment. God wants to show up in the midst of common things. But Todd, I'm just driving down I-35. God wants to show up. If you're driving down I-35, God may need to show up. I'm just taking the kids to soccer, Todd. In the midst of the common things, God wants to show up. I'm just trying to decide what to eat for dinner. 
Are there any other parents that struggle with that? Oh, my goodness. Would you just nod your head or wave your hand? Are we the only family that ever struggles with that? In the midst of the normal things of life, God desires to speak into our common moments. And I will say this, just a side note. When God does show up, he might freak you out a little bit. When God showed up, manifest in an angel form, or an angel, actual angel showed up in Zechariah's altered thing, what does the Bible say Zechariah did? It says he was overwhelmed with fear. So when you're on I-35 and God shows up, it may rock your world a little bit. The Bible tells us Zechariah was overwhelmed with fear when the angel showed up. I think sometimes we, we almost dumb down the manifestation and the awe of God. I don't, think, I don't think the angel showed up and Zechariah said, What's up? He didn't do that. If there was a response, it was absolute, abject fear. And the more I read through the Bible, this is a very typical response to a supernatural visitation. Just a few verses later, same chapter, the same angel Gabriel shows up to a woman named Mary. And what does he say to her? Don't be afraid. Why? Because she was fearful when the angel showed up. God wants to break through in the midst of our common moments. And I think, secondly, God's plan, and boy, this is so wonderful for us to think about. God's plan is a lot bigger than we realize. I want to share with someone those words again. Your life, your plan, God's plan for your life is a lot bigger than you realize. Elizabeth and Zechariah, all they wanted was a baby. But God saw a need to usher in a savior. He saw something far beyond just a baby. He saw someone far beyond someone who would take up space in a crib. God saw the one who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. In fact, when the angel, after Zechariah got over his fear and said, don't be afraid, get up and let me talk to you, the angel began to speak to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, and he said, here's what's going to happen with this baby. First of all, God's heard your prayer. God's heard uh, Elizabeth's prayer. You're going to have a kid. You're going to name him John. And while you get a hold, of, a hold of that, let me tell you what else is going to happen. There's going to be personal joy and gladness because of this baby. There's going to be joy expressed by many people because of this baby. He's going to have a favored status among uh, the, uh, the eyes of the Lord. He's going to be having a powerful ministry to the people of Israel. He's going to be a man with spirit and power just like the prophet Elijah. And can I tell you, to a Jewish ear to hear that, there was something going on when the angel said that. What's more, he's going to help soften the relationship between the fathers and their children. He's going to change disobedient people to accept the wisdom of God. All this in one baby boy. Can I stop long enough to apply it to moms and dads? If you're here and you're a mom or dad, never underestimate the power of your children. Never underestimate the power of your kids. Your children, I know, I know they get on your nerves. Boy, some of y'all feel the Holy Spirit right now, I can tell. I know they frustrate you. I know you tell them to pick up their room three and four thousand times a day. I know that. I know that. But never underestimate what God can do in your child. 
Because God's plan is a lot bigger than our plan. Pronounce this over your children, moms or dads. Look them right in the eye before you send them off to school today and say, you are unique. God has created you. You are a part of his big plan. Now I want you to notice something. That baby boy that was eventually born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, he went to his grave not truly understanding the significance of the plan God had worked through him. Matthew chapter 1 says this. John, Jesus speaks this. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare the way before you. I tell you the truth. Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Of all who ever lived, no one's greater than John. Never underestimate the plan God has for you. And I think it's so, so tied to this is not only the fact that God has a plan bigger than we could understand and not only the fact that God speaks in common moments. I think ultimately God wants us to simply accept what he says and believe it. After hearing the angel say all those things, what did Zechariah say to the angel? He said, listen, Gabriel, how can I be sure this is going to happen? In case you didn't know, I'm advanced in years, as is my wife. Now, Maybe I look at it too ironically, but Zechariah is saying that to an angel. (laughs) How can I be sure? What does Gabriel say? The angel cops an attitude. (laughs) He does. What's his first thing? I'm Gabriel. You know, heaven, that's where I came from. And he said, what's more, because you did not believe me, you're not going to be able to speak until that baby's born. And boom, no speaking. If the supernatural doesn't convince us, Something needs to change. If our condition makes us doubt what God has directly told us, we need to lose some of ourself. Sometimes, For our own good, we just need to be quiet. And so God said, Zechariah, I'm moving you backstage. You're not going to talk. You're not going to see things too clearly. I am moving you into the darkness for a few months. He walked out of the temple. The people are like, what's going on? Zechariah walks out. They knew through his gestures that something had happened in the temple. 
And the scripture says he then completed his duty and he went back home. Now, I I think there's some lessons. In fact, there are only some lessons that can only be learned backstage. There are some things that the only way we're going to process them and understand them and put them in our life is not in the bright lights of achievement, but backstage where it's a little murky. One of the most important lessons we can ever learn is that God will do what he says he will do. And here's the kicker, stay with me CLC, whatever God has to do to help us understand that, he'll do that. Not because he's mad at us, not because he's mean, not because he's sadistic and likes to see us squirm, but because he loves us and he wants us to truly accept the fact that when he says he'll do something, he will do it. And so sometimes we got to take a step back. And it gets a little dark. And we can't quite see it. And God is doing something in the midst of the backstage place. To help us really believe that he's doing what he said he would do. Now, I I just want to share with you something. The scripture says, and I want to be careful the way I say this. But things began to happen when Zechariah went home. He began to believe what God had said. Now, again, I want to be careful. Please hear my heart. I'm not trying to be crude, please. But the scripture says when he went back home, not many days later, Elizabeth conceived. Do do we need a biology lesson right here? I'm not trying to be crude. Please hear me. But when you really believe that God will do what he said, regardless of what it is he said he would do, when you go backstage and the lights dim and you're not quite seeing it the right way, but something's happening on the inside of you, your actions will show that you really do believe he's going to do what he said he would do. So he went back home. And if the story ended there, with a mute man sitting in the dark backstage, it'd be an interesting story, but it wouldn't be redemptive. And God is always about redemption. When God leads you backstage, you can pretty well bank on the fact that you're going to have another chance to show that you believe him. And for Zechariah, it came. Eight or nine months later. Brother Randy, come on up. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. We didn't even read this far. You ready? When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. That sounds like what the angel said was going to happen. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. That sounds like what the angel said was going to happen. When the baby was eight days old, they, friends, family, all came for the circumcision ceremony. 
And for those of us, again, that are not Jewish, that may seem odd, but you talk to a pious Jew today, they will tell you that that's very, very significant. When a Jewish male is born to a very pious group of Jews, if you go to the hospital and you celebrate the birth of that male Jewish child and you say, what a cute baby, what's his name? They won't tell you what his name is. Because the Mosaic law tells them, eight days after the birth of that Jewish male, you're to circumcise him, and that's when you tell him the name. So eight days had passed. This baby is now eight days old. When he turned eight days old, they invited the doctor to come. All the friends came to the circumcision ceremony, and they wanted, they, friends and family, wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. Of course, Zechariah Jr. They turned to Elizabeth. What do you think about that? Zechariah the second. She said, nope. The baby's name is going to be John. Now, men and women, she learned that from somebody. She didn't just think that up when the moment came. Somehow, that was transferred to her. It was transferred to her by a guy who couldn't talk. Because somewhere backstage, Zechariah had something form in him that said God is going to do what he said he would do. And God said, this baby is going to be a special baby. And what's more, God said, when that baby's born, you're going to name that baby John. And so somehow, some way, Zechariah, in those few months before the baby was born, transferred that certainty to his wife. So when all the family says, hey, Zechariah Jr., what do you think about that, Elizabeth? Elizabeth said, no, the baby's name is going to be John. All the family and friends said, well, are you kidding me? No one has that name in your family, John? Pardon all the folks named John here, I apologize. No one names him John. There's no one in your family named that. And so they did the only thing they knew to do. They went to the daddy. And they said, and the Bible says, Zechariah said, His, didn't say it, his name is and the moment they saw that he said the baby's name was going to be John the Bible says pow his mouth opened back up And what happened when his mouth opened up? Did he say, woohoo, I finally get to talk again? No, that's not what happened. The scripture says you can read it for yourself. Verse 64, instantly Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. And awe fell on the whole neighborhood. 
and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Why does God put you backstage sometimes? Sometimes I'm convinced God puts us in a dark place because he wants to form something within us because he knows when we truly accept that he will do what he said he will do and our faith demonstrates that that something begins to happen that's going to affect not only you, but everyone around you. So mom and dad, if you're in a dark place right now, realize that may be God moving the chess pieces around. So when the time comes for you to say, I believe, your kids are going to be affected, your neighborhood's going to be affected, your colleagues at work are going to be affected, Single adults, you're here tonight and things are dark. You wish it could work out differently, but there's a season right now you're in and you're back in the darkness and you can't quite make it out, but God's told you some things. Just stay seated in the presence of God. Let him work on you a little bit. Because when your faith says, God, I really do believe, there's going to come a time, I don't know when it's all going to happen, but God's going to open your mouth. God's going to open up his supply, and you're going to understand and bless many people around you. God has a plan that's big. And oftentimes he will speak that plan and manifest himself in common moments. But ultimately what he really wants us to do is simply believe and accept the fact that he's going to do it. I believe in a God of deliverance. I believe that. I believe God can bring us out of anything. I believe that with all my heart. Some of us have been eyewitnesses to that in our own life. He brings us out. But I also know as believers, there are some times when for whatever reason, God brings us to a place and we don't like it too much. And we kick against it a little bit. But if we'll rest in him just a moment and realize he's doing something in us, when he does come through, God's going to get the glory for us. all around the building, would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Holy Spirit, would you come in to this place? Walk amongst us, Lord. Among every pew, to every heart. as only you can do. Lord, speak. Speak. Let us have ears to hear what you speak. As we hear what you're saying, Lord, let us accept it and believe. Let us say, I believe that. Lord, to those that are in a solitary place, those that are backstage, those believing that something good is on the horizon, but it hasn't happened yet, but they just kind of sense something's at work. 
transform them, Lord. Make us into the kind of people we can be for you. Help us not to chafe too much against the work of your spirit, Lord. But rest in you, Lord. Because you've got a big plan. You're going to do it, Lord. And if you bring us out of the backstage into the bright lights tomorrow or for its next week or next month, do it for your glory, Lord. Affecting many people beyond ourselves. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Our eyes are closed for just a moment more. Our prayer partners, I invite you to come. Stand along the front. All around the building tonight. I think it's really what fall revival is all about. Hearts being revived. Hearts being rejuvenated. Things dormant being brought to life again. Hope being stirred up. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. In fact, let's do that right now. Everyone, would you stand with me? And as you stand, I believe there's some folks here tonight. It might be kind of dark. It might be kind of lonely. It might be difficult. The season's tough. But God's got a greater work in plan. I want you to come and stand with us here in the front. front. Find someone to connect with, a prayer partner. As you come, I want you to come with faith. Not necessarily, God, you got to bring me out tonight. Because he may do that, it may not be, I don't know. But God, you've got a plan, and I'm saying I understand that. And I'm going to believe that you're working it out for your good. All across the building, come on. That's it. Hearts being revived, hope being kindled. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. All across the building, would you just stretch a hand out to the Lord right now? Everyone, would you do that? Stretch a hand toward heaven. Let's pray right now. Jesus, speak, Lord. As surely as you spoke to Zechariah through the angel, speak, Lord. Calm the fears, Lord, as you did to Zechariah. Sustain as you did to the prophet of that day. Bring hope as you did to the prophet of that day, Lord. In the midst of the common moment, Lord, speak and invade our our issue, Lord, and invade our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, for your glory, Lord. We're going to believe it together. We're going to believe it, Lord. We don't understand it necessarily completely. It's not our favorite place to be. It's a little dark. You can't quite make out everything. But we're going to believe it together, Lord. You're working it for your good, Lord. You've got a greater plan in place, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We believe his name is John. We're saying that tonight, Lord. We believe that what you said you would do, you will do. We believe that old things are passed away. All things are become new, Lord. Work in us, Lord. Knock off the rough edges, Jesus. Mold us, mold our faith, Lord. Challenge our thinking, Lord. Make us into the men and women you've called us to be, Lord. Let our faith rise to you, Jesus, to say we believe. We believe his name is John. We believe by our actions that faith will be given to you, Lord. 
you will do what you said you would do, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Your will, Jesus, your will, your way, Lord. Your plan, that's what we want. Not what we desire, Lord. Not on our terms, Lord, but on your terms, your will, your agenda, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. For your glory, Lord. I accept it, Jesus. I accept your word. I believe in what you're doing, Lord. I believe it's for me, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Your will, Jesus. Your will, Jesus. Your will, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, I believe it, Jesus. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. All across the sanctuary right now, would you turn this into just a moment of testimony? I'd love for everybody here to find a few folks around you. I'd like you to share with them specifically a time when God said he was going to do something. It may not have been the next day, but eventually God did exactly what he said he would do. Turn that into a moment of faith and a testimony right now. Would you turn to someone next to you or a few folks? Share with someone. Build their faith a little bit right now. This is something that happened to me. I was backstage for a while, but Jesus did something for me. He showed me that he was going to do it, and he did it. Come on, share that moment or two. Speak that word of testimony. Speak that word of faith. That may be exactly what that person needs to hear. They may need to know that it's, it's true. God really does what he said he would do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for doing your work, Lord. Thank you for answering prayer, Lord. Thank you for taking impossible situations and making them possible, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You will do, God, what you said you would do. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It was about a year and a half ago, I had got done with a, a run in Baltimore with some friends that enjoy running, and we had finished running, and we had met up at the end to kind of gather back together and talk for a moment, and then we dismissed. And as we dismissed, Jessica was walking down the sidewalk of Baltimore Avenue. As she's going to her car, I'm walking parallel to her to my car. She said, Todd, pray for me today. I had never talked to Jessica at all about anything uh, necessarily about church. I had known her a short while. She knew I was a pastor. But just a passing comment. Todd, pray for me today. I said, I will. And I walked on to my car. I almost got to my car and I turned back around. I said, Jessica, I will pray. But tell me a little bit. Can you share just a moment or two about what it is that I'm going to pray about? I'll pray for you, certainly. Her head went down. She said, Todd, Joe and I, that's her husband, we've been trying to have a baby for a long time. Years. And this is the last opportunity we have because we've tried everything. We're both getting up in our childbearing years and we just don't know what else to do. We've tried it all. She said, we're going to the doctor today at 11 o'clock. We're going to try one more thing. If this doesn't work, we're just giving up. She said, just pray for us. I said, I will. I got in the car. She got in her car and took off home. About halfway home, I don't know if God ever messes with you. God began to mess with me. God began to say, Todd, you, you, need to, you need to do something more than just what you said you'd do. Go and pray with her. Go to where she is and pray with her and Joe. I said, okay. Don't tell Governor O'Malley, but I broke the law and I called Jessica on the way home. I said, Jessica, it's Todd. I just want to let you know I thank you for sharing that prayer request with me. Tell me, um, where, where's your, your appointment going to be? She told me it was literally down the street from where I live. I said, would you mind if I meet you there at 11 o'clock? And we'll just, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to, you know, make you embarrassed. But just, we'll, we'll just pray together. And then I waited just a moment because I thought, oh boy, we're out on the limb now. She said, sure, absolutely. I said, okay, I'll meet you there. 10.45 rolls around. I got in my car. I drove to the place where she had her appointment. Got out of my car, and there's Joe and Jessica standing on the sidewalk there. I, I don't know how you exactly do this. I just walked up, and I said, let's pray. They're on the front stoop of the place, grabbed hands, people walking by. All right, here we go. Lord, Jessica and Joe have been waiting a long time. They'd like to have a baby. You're the giver of life. I'm not sure what your plan is, but 
If you'd be so kind, bless them with a child. Let them have a baby. Let it be healthy. Let it be strong. Let this appointment be good. In the name of Jesus, amen. And it would be a cool story to say that heavens opened up. Blue mist came down. Angels flapped around. It would be cool to say that. That's not what happened. They said, Todd, thanks for praying. They went into their appointment. I didn't hear any more from them for quite a while. About two weeks later, I was at work. My cell phone rang. Don't tell my boss I'm not supposed to answer the phone like that either. But I did. I said, hello. Todd, it's Jessica. Hey, Jessica. You said, have you got just a second? Yeah. I said, just give me a second. I'm going to walk back to the back. I walked back to the back. She said, Todd, I just, <laughs> I just got a call from my doctor. I said, yeah. She said, the doctor said that whatever we did a couple weeks ago <laughs> at, at the appointment, It worked. We're, you said we're going to have a baby. I said, that's awesome. I said, just let me know how it goes. You know how I keep going and feeling good and all that. We'll, we'll, we'll get so excited for you. Went home. I told Brenda, Jessica's going to have a baby. Nine months later, she called me again. Todd, yeah, Jessica, right? Yep. Baby Joey was born this afternoon. Went up to the hospital and I stared in the face of a kid that for so long didn't seem like she was ever going to come. But God did something backstage for Joe and Jessica. A lesson that could only be learned backstage. God can do anything. I believe that. If you believe he can do what he said he'd do, give the Lord a good clap offering tonight. Let's thank God. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.